The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a beginning episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 682. And I'm Snowy White. And I'm Aaron. And dear listeners, this episode, like every episode, is brought to you by the fine folks at True Cult Coffee. T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. Shout out to one of our listeners, John, that was um, talking to me this week and asking, what should I get? He said he likes a dark roast. And I said, well, then you need Mjork Helvete. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked about Mjork Helvete here in a long time, but that was the coffee that I first sampled. And again, like I, I don't drink coffee, but I do like True Cult coffee. And I, you know, drank it more than once, you know, the the weekend that I was sampling all that sort of stuff. And uh, so I told him, I'm like, give it a shot. Um, Even gave him the discount code that True Cult has going on, which is BLVCK, right? That's 20% off everything on the site right now. I'm not sure the length of that, so you should head to truecultcoffee.com to find out T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. Check him out. So um, my buddy John has self-proclaimed himself a coffee connoisseur, um, a bit of a coffee snob, we'll say. And (laughs) I told him, I said, well, I said, this is going to be great because everyone I've talked to has liked True Cult Coffee, but I don't know if I've really had any real coffee snob people. Uh, Mostly it's been people that are addicted to caffeine that, you know. Um, so looking for the fix. Exactly. The so, so I, I am really looking forward to this. And we, we were discussing things that I've discussed with coffee, Bean Oculta in the past. Like, how do you, you know, how do you take your coffee drip French press, all that sort of stuff. And so, um, I am really looking forward to John getting his bag of coffee and letting us know, giving us a full report on how he feels about Mjork Helvete, half Helvete. Ooh, that's a tough one. So, what's going on with you, Snowman? Well, myself, yeah, I got a fresh cup of True Cabal's coffee here. 
in my big ass Darth Vader head mug. So that holds a lot of coffee. And I got a bit of Bailey's going in it tonight because it's Friday night. I got a long weekend, both good and not not so good. It's kind of been a long week. Some good and some not so good, but hey, I'm always uh, ready to sit down and rock and roll with you and all of these beautiful people that are taking the time out every week to give us a listen. I really appreciate it. Speaking of today, which is December 3rd, as we speak, I hope everyone did their rock and roll duty, went on to band camp and... Uh, Grabbed as much uh, content from there as you can. Support, 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 like we always say. But, as well, there are some rather significant birthdays today that I want to throw out. Starting with uh, former Radioactive Metal alum... Mr. Vinny Stigma of none other than the Mighty Agnostic Front... It's his birthday today. I was just oh. looking him up today, actually. I was just <laughs> thinking about him. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, yeah, it's his birthday, and I'll never forget the experience of having Mr. Stigma on this show. Agnostic Front came you know, through town. They're on tour across Canada and made arrangements to speak with him and had a kick-ass interview. My friend... Shannon, who was working with me for a little while at the old Warren Music Shop, big agnostic front fan, that evening was her birthday. Okay. And I said, okay, you know what? Just come with me to the show tonight. I got a wicked birthday present for you. I'm going to get you to meet Mr. Stigma himself and help me out with the interview and all that. And she filmed it for her for her uh, YouTube page, and it was just a fantastic time. And Vinny, Vinny was just an amazing guest and just a great guy to get the, to shoot the shit with. You ever get the opportunity, man? For sure, for sure. As well, um, happy birthday to none other than one of Heavy Metal's godfathers, the great Ozzy Osbourne, turns oh, 806 right. today. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it, how and old? He's about 806 by now, oh. I assume. Something like that. I thought yeah. you were giving a real age there for a second. Oh. Oh. He, he should be 70-something, right? Oh, he's he's getting he's no spring chicken. He's getting up there, yeah. Let me, I'll, I'm going to look this up real quick here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as well, you may recall, and I know you're familiar 73. with this particular film. 73, 73. yes. 73, wow. During the month of October... We had the watch along with the uh, with re- the Return of the Living Dead film. Yes. Well, um, 2016, one of the leads, Don Kalfa, passed away, who played Ernie the mortician. Ah oh, man. Yeah, he passed away. Well, it's been about five five years now. Today is what they call his heavenly birthday. This was the day that oh. he came into the world. Unfortunately, Mr. Kalfa is no longer with us. But man. That is a legacy. I know the the guy's been in a lot of great movies over the years. For for me, forever, he'll always be Ernie the Mortician in Return of the Living Dead. You know, go back into our archives just a couple episodes ago. Back, well, no, more than a couple now, but into October, download our watch along episode where myself and my co-host over at Wrestling Night in Canada, Mr. Matt Copper. 
we did a nice little watch along with that and it's always a lot of fun as well and it's very apropos okay considering our discussion later on tonight today in 1983 the debut record from slayer show no mercy hit the uh hit 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 the racks and that's when i got into slayer right from the get-go shall we say and you know obviously the rest has been history and it just that was just one of those bands okay like metallica like like the like the rest of the big four okay it's like okay they rule the underground they're this awesome underground band and all that but there's no way they're ever going to be playing an arena yeah you know, there's no way Anthrax is ever going to play an arena or Megadeth <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> but just, it's just what a weird road, you know, this, what a strange road it has been over the years. So that's all of these, uh, that's some cool stuff that I kind of wanted to share with our listeners and kind of get out there. Uh, so now if everything is going good with you down down in the carolinas and all that if everything is well um i figure this would be a good time to drop a track in our mandatory metal segment courtesy of true cavalt coffee and as i said that today as we speak is Bandcamp friday and while i was like i'm the type of guy like i'll just I'll just go on to Bandcamp just to just to piss around, just to see look what see what I can find, some new music and all that. Just always on the lookout for awesome music. I discovered one Stormkeep, a really cool current black metal band. Their new record, Tales of Other Time, is available now, and I've. So I was checking it out, giving it a listen, and it's like, okay, this, this is definitely true Cavalt material. So I tapped them for this week's show. So without further ado, for the aforementioned True Cavalt Coffee in our mandatory metal segment, this is Stormkeep with the Serpent Stone.
we've been very busy this week. Here's our metal fix. Oh, hey, dude, what's going on? All right, so I feel like at this point, we need to find somebody at Dixon Flannel and sit down and have a chat with them because uh, this week they released a hate breed flannel. Mm. Dude. Really? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you've gone to check out their site yet. You of all people need to be on this site because I, I think you'd really like the flannels. And like I said before, they're actually well-made so you could wear them at work and you know, they're going to hold up mm-hmm. like they're really, they're really built nice. And they, they've thought, uh, thought about a lot of things and my Dragula came in Absolutely. I needed to post that on the Instagram because I keep forgetting about that. But they just keep doing these awesome, awesome flannel collaborations. Like between, uh, it started with the Infectious Grooves for me, right? And they they had a couple other bands in there. Like I think there was a Sublime and something else. But then the Misfits, which sold out in like hours. Oh, and wow. then um, like all the different Halloween ones they were doing, the Freddy Flannel and then the Dragula and now Hatebreed. I feel like it'd be like if you and I said, "Hey, let's start a flannel company." Like, what could we do? You know, like that's <laughs> that's literally like I really want to talk to these people because every every week there's something new and cool. I'm just like, shit, this is great. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's what's new on the Dixon flannel front, and um, I really think I need to hunt somebody down there. But other than that, man, it's been a pretty boring week. Um, today, you know, as we record this November 3rd, um, I was pretty excited with the new Volbeat. Have you checked it out? No, no. It's, it's it's one of those bands. Yeah. I know who they are. You know, how how can you not? It's just, you can't listen to everyone. Well, here, here's what I finally realized about Volbeat today. Cause I put on the album cause they had a single this summer called wait a minute, my girl. And that single was on, it's it's on this record. And it was similar to another song I really liked off one of their other albums. And as I listened through this entire album, I realized that this is a band that has listened to a ton of, of other bands. Like, they're influenced by a lot of different bands. And they just let all that come out. Like, it's all heavy guitar essentially, but sometimes it's like Chuck Berry with a heavy guitar. Sometimes it's Metallica with a heavy guitar. Sometimes it's almost like Slayer. Um, It's it's a very eclectic record, and I really enjoyed it, but I think that, because, and I think I've said this before, like when Rock was still on the show, I'd tell him like, Volpe's one of those bands that I feel like I'm supposed to like, and he's like, no, really, you don't need to. I'm like, no, like, (laughs) like, I'll hear them when if I try to listen to an album, I'll be like, nah, I don't know. But then I'll hear them on the radio or something. I'm like, oh, who's that? It's always Volbeat. And uh-huh. this, this album is just so eclectic. There's so there's there's literally something for everybody on here. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I was I was trying to th- think of something else intelligent to say, and I got nothing on that one. But um, so I was checking that out, and then the other I'm looking for it. It was. Not Genocide Pact. Wolf Tooth. 
Have you heard of Wolftooth? Yeah, actually, they've popped up here and there, like on the Facebooks and all that. I haven't given them a spin and all that, but yeah, they are definitely on my radar now. So, new album, Blood and Iron, out today. Uh, very doomy, and I really dig it. Right on. I really, really dig it. And then, just, I haven't listened to this one yet. I just found it here. I didn't even know. They did anything like this. It was, it's called Various Artists, the Best of ACDC Redux. And it's just a whole bunch of metal artists doing ACDC covers. Yeah, that can be hit and miss. Like, there's just some... Like... If if it's an artist... Like, the ACDC definitely has their own way of doing things. Yeah. And you know it's them. So it's kind of hard... To do an ACDC song in your style, trying to sound like you and not coming across as like an ACDC yeah. song or a clone or whatever. It's it's, it's kind of hard, you know, doing doing that. Well, and, and it's tough with covers because like I don't mind an original cover, but it's either got to be like a spot on version of this band like staying true to certain things of the original, or it's got to be so original and so cool with the new original spin they took on it that it becomes its own thing. And I like it. Like um, the best example would be convergence when they did annihilate this week on the, um, the, uh, the black flag tribute. Okay. And if I didn't already know, that song, Annihilate This Week, I would have never known that it was Annihilate This Week. Oh, see, that's a sign of a good cover, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and but it wasn't in a way where I'm like, oh, why'd you butcher it? I'm like, oh, I can't believe it, but I think you made this cooler, you know? So, so yeah, so that kind of stuff. So I, I kind of want to give this a spin because, you know, I'm always intru- in, interested in ACDC songs. I'll never stop being interested. But um, there is a band, Solace, doing a cover of Whole Lot of Rosie. Ah. And Whole Lot of Rosie is on my list of like perfect rock songs. Mm-hmm. And most people can't pull it off like ACDC. And, and it's the singer. Like the, the singer just can't deliver the performance. The only cover version, quote unquote, that I've, I've seen. That I was like, oh no, that guy can really do it. Was Dean Del Rey of um, the Let There Be Talk podcast because he does right. his Bon Scott tribute every year, and uh-huh. he was just posting a sound check the one time of him doing it. I'm just like, and it's this very specific part of the song. I'm like, all right, I'm waiting for it. And son of a bitch, man, he he hit it. And I mean, yeah, it was just it was it, it just he really hit it and the performance was there and the energy was there. And so, yeah. So I'm going to give this a check and we'll see how it goes, but that's all I got, man. What's going on with you? Well, with myself this week, yeah, it's actually been sort of a quiet week for me as well. A couple, you know, I did, I did discover some cool new, new stuff and made a trip to the music shop and the comic book shop as well. First of all, okay. With the trip to the music shop, like I, we have this really cool movie and music shop. It's called Planet of Sound here in Winnipeg. It's mostly a secondhand shop, but they do have some cool new vinyls and as well. Just all everything. It's your one-stop yeah. shop 
for for a guy like me. Okay, I haven't seen the movie Halloween Kills yet, the sequel of follow up to just the Halloween reboot from a couple years ago. Um, but I did give some of the music from a spin when it first came out, just kind of listened online because Carp John Carpenter. Okay. is just, wow. Like John, John Williams gets a lot of attention for all of his stuff. Okay. And all of his music for all these blockbuster movies and all that, but just some of the stuff that Carpenter is John Carpenter has come up with over the years has just been equally as impressive, if not more, because he kind of, you know, he is, his stuff is a little more on the creepy side, which reflects the films, right? Oh, so, I honestly sorry. didn't realize that John Carpenter did his own scores until oh, yeah. I read Adrian Barbeau's um, autobiography. Ah, and oh, she yeah, was just going sure. on and on about him, you know, because they were married for, for a bit. And I was like, wow. And so then I started going back and checking his stuff out. I'm like, oh, this guy can really do it all. Like really oh, do sure. it all. Like it blows my mind. And when you're a, you know, a low budget or independent filmmaker or whatever, if you can save a couple dollars with your own creativity, yeah, with the music, why, why not? Um, with this new soundtrack, Halloween Kills. Okay, haven't seen the movie yet. Did haven't really given the whole record a spin. I yeah. just listened to enough to know that I want it. And I found a new cassette copy. No, new on yeah. cassette? <laughs> a new on cassette. Oh, yes. nice. Yes, yeah, so it's like, oh, this is sweet. Even if I don't really play it that much, if I just mostly listen to it online or whatever, just for whatever reason, it's still something to have, you know, as the music collector, as the musical connoisseur. So I opted for that. And from what I've heard so far, it's fantastic stuff. Just like the last Halloween movie, um, Carpenter has been uh, collaborating with his son, Cody. Okay. Who's now he's grown up and, you know, under taking over dad's, you know, what his stick and yeah, he's coming along nicely as an, as an amazing musician. They've been doing this as well with one Daniel Davies. Okay, Daniel Davies is, and this is where the pedigree comes in, okay? But he's definitely doing something a little bit different from his dad, who is Dave Davies from the Kinks. No, okay. Yeah, yeah, and the nephew of Sir Ray Davies from the Kinks as well. I just found out just this week... When did they knight Ray Davies? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> you know? I honestly don't remember that either. I feel yeah. like we should have heard about that. That's definitely something that we should have. So, yeah, I'm digging that. Really cool, you know. Um, I, li I like the stuff that these guys are coming up with. So I went down the street from Planet of Sound to their good friends at Galaxy Comics. Okay. And I grabbed a graphic novel of the Archie Meets Kiss series. The, sh the short miniseries. Oh, I'm very familiar um, with that. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, 
as I'm going through this, and okay, and I'm, fl I'm flipping through it right now. Okay, this is fantastic because the first chapter is Riverdale Rock City. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. The second chapter is Creatures of the Night. Okay. The third chapter is is Rock and Roll All Fright. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the fourth chapter is, is, is Shout It Out Loud. Okay. As I'm going through this and, and I'm looking at the credits, it's like, oh, shit, yeah. A lot of the artwork for this was done by one Dan Parent. Dan Parent. Yeah. Okay. It's like, why do I know that name? Why do I have that name? Oh! Oh! I think did, and I'm thinking my our former co-host, did Rock not speak to Mr. Parent? So I immediately got on the horn because we've we've had so like we've I don't know how many interviews we've done over the last fifteen years. Like some of them have just kind of left my head as to who we've spoken to and who we haven't. So I got on the horn with Rock. It's like, dude, you spoke to Dan Perrant from this, this, and this. Oh yeah, yeah. It was he got back to me. Oh yeah, it was episode four hundred and thirty-one. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was was a while ago. It was the same episode that I spoke to Karach Angren, really cool black metal band. Okay. Okay. Here is a really cool happy accident. Fast forward all of these years later, Dad Perrant did this Archie versus Kiss comic. Karach Angren, who shared that same episode with Mr. Perrant, has a track on that new DC Dark Knights death metal soundtrack. The uh, soundtrack to the nice. uh, to the Dark Knights graphic novels and comic series as well, which uh, I was eyeballing that record, that's for sure. It's like, okay, this is a soundtrack. It's just it's a, just a compilation of songs. It's a fictional soundtrack, obviously. But, oh, I think i got to have this. But the price tag was a little, eh, uh, maybe not this week. But, you know, maybe Santa Claus will, uh, will <laughs> he's, he's been known to bring me a few records here and there. So, hopefully, I should send a... I should leave out, you know, some beer and pizza for for <laughs> Santa Claus and see what he brings me. So looking forward to that. Some cool record, a cool record across my desk available now from uh, Prosthetic Records. Really cool um, new power-ish metal band, Eternity's End, their re new record. Embers of War is available now. Um, and the connection with that, you'll, you'll recall a little while back, um, we spoke to Carl Steisen, Steinhausen from uh, Paradox. Uh, a member of Paradox, their guitarist, Christian Muenzer, okay, really amazing guitarist. Not not only with Paradox, but all of his amazing solo stuff as well. Eternity's End is his new project. Oh, this is this is cool. So I slapped it on. Really, really cool trad metal, and as well, once again, 
while uh, poking around on um, on the band camp, I discovered a really cool um, Italian psychedelic satanic doom band called Black Spell. Their new record, Purple Skull. It's like, oh, wow. If it wasn't for some of the more occult leanings and all that, this might actually, you know, be something that would capture you know a larger um amount of attention yeah but but for me personally you know what this is actually some really cool stuff so let's kind of get into these new finds from the aforementioned embers of war record this is eternity's end with call of the valkyries
That was a black spell from the Purple Skull record with Dark Priest of Hell. Great stuff, great stuff. As I said, okay, it's a little too late. We probably should have mentioned this last week when we got together and all that. But as we, as we speak, Bandcamp Friday, go on to Bandcamp now, though. Be sure to grab some cool stuff, starting with Black Death Spell, starting with Eternities, and and then just just it's it's always a fun time on Bandcamp. Like just just going through the various categories and sub subgenres and all that. I just discover just a lot of great new bands that I probably wouldn't have just by taking the initiative and in doing that. So. That is highly recommended. I don't want to say that we're old. Okay. <laughs> I'll say it. I'm old. Okay. I have no problem saying it. But but we're not young. But with not young comes experience. <laughs> okay, we've seen we've That's seen nice some shit. Okay, yeah. We've seen some shit. We've done some shit. Stuff will be more than happy to announce on the radio. Some stuff, well, maybe we won't. <laughs> Not till the statute of limitations runs out, at least. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But for the purposes of this show, okay, we are as old as metal itself. I figure with the debut record, the first Sabbath record in was it nineteen seventy? Yeah, that was the birth of metal. Okay, and we're both fifty this year, seventy one. Right, we both came out into this world, and so I figure, okay, we're about as old as metal itself. So, having so apart from, yeah, we were there, we were alive, we were on the planet, but we. It wasn't a thing for us at that time. We were alive. We were on the planet come 77. I liked it. I, I, I think pretty much, yeah, there were some bands before the Sex Pistols. Okay, but the Nevermind the Bullocks album in 76, 76, 77, that's, for me, that's always been traditionally, like, that's the starting point of punk. You know, that's the first Black Sabbath album. Okay. Um, while we were once again on the planet, it really wasn't a thing for us at that time. It would have taken a couple of years, you know, when I first discovered, I bought my first, you know, Sex Pistols record in the early 80s when I went metal full time. Okay, so we didn't exactly see the birth of the main genres but when you when i when i think about it yeah okay all of the subgenres okay <laughs> we were either right there for okay or we hopped on right after it started we were there for its infancy and that's pretty much everything. Okay, so I thought maybe, you know what, dude, let this week kind of let's sit back, let's have a, bev a bevy of choice, 
and then just talk about being there because i remember like when i like i know i'm one of the elder state statesmen shall we say of the of the winnipeg metal and punk scene okay and i get a lot from the younger scene scenesters and all that snowy man you were around in the 80s what was it like what about this what'd you do here what's this do you remember this and all that and i'm always you know i'll always be that old man telling stories that you know the kids pull up a chair to and look oh grandpa's talking you know <laughs> that's that can be me sometimes and that's a role that i don't mind taking okay so with that it's like okay we've kind of seen all of this why don't we share it tonight what um what do you recall first of all I, like you kind of have a list I have a list. Why don't you kind of get us off and rolling here? Well, I I pulled up a list of all the different subgenres because when I came in, we just called it metal, mm-hmm. right? Like ev- everything was called heavy metal, whether it was Deep Purple, whether it was Kiss, whether it was Black Sabbath, they were all just heavy metal. Yeah, Priest right? Maiden, yeah. Yeah, Priest Maiden, all that, right? So we didn't distinguish anything else for Maiden. But then Metallica, Anthrax, those guys we called speed metal. Speed or thrash, yeah. Well, it became speed, and, and well, it started as speed, and, and then thrash. And you're right, like, we went back and forth. You know, I I never heard the term crossover thrash until um, the crossover album by DRI. That's the mm-hmm. only time I'd heard the crossover, and... Then those guys were considered speed metal at the time, you know. So I, I, I don't know. And then I just kept looking for heavier and heavier. And then the next time I remember hearing a genre was death metal with um, deicide, cannibal corpse, and obituary. Right, like right there in the early nineties. Right. So that was your starting point. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, that was that. And then after that. I always seem to find out the genre, quote unquote, like after the fact. Like, for example, um, I will disagree with you until my dying breath, but Rage Against the Machine is not fucking new metal. <laughs> you know? Okay. Huh? And Corn was new metal. And, but uh-huh. I mean, like, like new, why was it new metal? Like, and you, and I just look at some of these crazy genres, like, um, Oh, what's the band I love? Not the Tap Dance Extravaganza. Dillinger Escape Plan. Right. Math. Somebody called them math core, math metal. I'm like, what the fuck is math metal? Like, are you are you dividing <laughs> the beats by pi? Who makes this shit up? Uh huh. You know, and and I think that's what it really comes down to is somebody needs some way to um, categorize their band. So somebody makes up something fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then that's where it goes. Like some of it's fairly derivative. Like like death metal completely made sense when you listen to those vocals and you listen to the extreme, you know, extremeness of it. Even even the early records, uh, like oh yeah, no, I hear death metal there. And Swedish death metal, well, that's easy. They're from Sweden. You know, that, that's that's not a leap. You know, mm-hmm. Christian metal, that's pretty easy. They're singing about God with heavy guitars. I get that. You know, so. So I I don't know like it's it 
it's it's so hard when somebody's like, oh, well, well, you know, what kind of metal do you like? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I like something that's that's like aggressive or got a good groove or any combination of those. Like, I didn't even realize what doom metal was until rock turned me on to it. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I really do like doom. You know, I I don't think I would have ever called it doom because like I always heard people talk about Black Sabbath is doom. Yeah, yeah. Sabbath is the first metal band, the first doom band and all that, but there was no subgenre of doom with Sabbath. That was just kind of their sound. Obviously, yeah. honestly, I think doom as we know it today, okay, probably started which was probably its most popular act, okay. You know, about I guess 1984 with the band Trouble they're there that's for me that's kind of the starting point of doom as a subgenre and it's 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 pretty hard to argue some someone that that would be would instead of them you know what i mean because they're true like true like trouble was right you know with metal blade records and they were right in the middle of the whole metallica and anthrax and exciter and all of those bands like they were smack dab in the middle of that whole scene kind of doing their own thing they weren't speed they weren't thrash they weren't power metal which that's an expression that power metal that's changed over the years as well like i remember bands like metallica and slayer being called power metal and well i never heard the term power metal until Probably in the early to mid two thousands. Oh, okay. Probably with bands like Pri- Primal Fear or Rhapsody, Rhapsody of Fire, bands like that. No, but, even like you know? like like other other stuff. Because um, I um, a buddy at work, his his friend um, was into metal and we started exchanging stuff and he, he was all over the board and, and he was finding all kinds of crazy stuff from, you know, other countries and things like that. And so we, t- we talked about it like, Oh, we call it power metal. And to me, it sounded like man of war, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Man of war got labeled with that yeah. too back then. But man of war is just a metal band to me. It is. Yeah. You like know? Some, some of these expressions and sub genres, like, they they start out in the eighties as something, and then it kind of takes a different turn and a different sound. And before you know it, it sounds like something totally different. It's weird how that works. This is why we're having this conversation because you and I were there at the beginning of all of these sub 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 genres. So when some some kid says to me that I don't know anything about black metal because I call Venom the first black metal band. Okay. <laughs> That's when it's like, okay, son, pay attention. You're going to learn something. When <laughs> Snowy speaks, Snow, Snowy speaks, you learn. Okay. Because Venom, that's the starting point of black metal. Yeah, there is that whole Norwegian sound in the early 90s you know, with mayhem and all that, that kind of started that idea. But at one time, black metal didn't have that distinctive sound. 
it was all defined by if you had an occult image and imagery and what your lyrics said. A case could be made for Slayer's Show No Mercy to be a black metal album. As well, a matter of fact, like I speak about yeah. the pen, the pen bangers section in Metal Forces and all that. There were a lot of fans. Okay. Yeah, I'm into black metal bands like Venom, Merciful Fate, and Slayer because of the lyrical content of First Show No Mercy, then Haunting the Chapel, Hell Awaits. Yeah. You know, it even, it even got to the point where they were recording Rain and Blood and they had these songs and Rick Rubin is like, dude, where's the Satan? You know, go write me some Satan songs. You know, <laughs> like this this is Slayer here. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, so, and, and that's very interesting because I, I never heard the term black metal until later. And then, you know, I'm like, what's black metal? And I was like, oh, Venom. I'm like, okay, well, I heard of Venom. But at the time, we were just looking for what's the next most extreme thing. You know, uh, like um, like Slayer. Slayer is just satanic speed metal. <laughs> like that's, which, which would have been black metal, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, nobody nobody called it black metal yet. You know, not, not when I was a kid. Okay, and, well, and then, you have um, different experiences. Well, that's, dude, I, <laughs> I've, I've told you, like, I grew up in the sticks. Right. Like, worse than where I am now. See, I wish I had known you back then, because I would have sent you some Metal Forces, some Krangs, oh, some Metal I would have loved Canadian Pen Pal to send this shit back and forth, uh, dude. Yeah, uh, we had a wicked, we had a wicked magazine up here called Metallion. Oh, it was fantastic. Well, do you remember a band, or did you ever hear a band called In Destroy? Oh, yep, yep. So that was like the first really extreme metal band I remember hearing. And I would, you know, now I'd probably consider them death metal. Um, okay. Or, or, or close to it. But I mean, it, we're just looking for faster, crazier, whatever. And I mean, they had some pretty aggressive lyrics, right? Like, dead girls don't say no. <laughs> you know, yeah. with the tagline, dead girls don't say much at all. It was pretty <laughs> damn funny. Um, USSA. Oh, fuck. What was another song with that album? But I remember my buddy Pat gave that to me. Because, um, you know, we were, you know, we're all in the same grade. We're on different bands and stuff. And he'd be like, no, you got to check this out. And I took it home like, fuck. Like, this is something, you know, and it's funny, you know, you, you talk about tape trading, like our tape trading was like, here, take my tape home, bring it back, you know, maybe make a copy if you think about it. But I don't even know how many of us could make copies of tapes back then. I Like we were, I, I just feel like we were so behind the times where I grew up, just, just so middle, middle America. Okay. Have you seen the movie Footloose? Of course. The, the original is one of my all-time favorite films. The town for my high school is not that big. <laughs> okay. 100 uh -huh. kids in my graduating class. Oh, wow. Like, and, and that was like on a good day if everybody showed up. Holy jeez. Yeah. Like, like I, I just can't get over just like, like we had such different experiences. It was just so hard for me to find this shit, you know? Mm 
It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no internet back then. No. You had everything, you know, like that's, that's something the kids, okay. Because I'm not, I'm not one for streaming. I'm not for doing all that, but if you live, you know, in a, in a place that doesn't have a cool record shop, you know, and you can't afford to be uh, special ordering, you know, the shipping and the vinyl. And I, I get it. It can be expensive and all that. So in some way, that's how the Internet was good for the fans. Just, you know, you had the option of listening to all of this great stuff because we never had that. We brought we bought Metal Forces and we brought it home. And well, this band sounds really good. I sure would like to hear them. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to wait till uh, either myself or one of my buddies out goes out and buys the record, you know. That was exactly it. Yeah. Man. And yeah. we didn't have any any record stores. Like the only place we could buy a record was like um our local Kmart or now probably even Kmart cuz I don't even think like Murphy's Mart or any of the other like Mart type places. And Kmart was pre-Walmart for anybody who doesn't know. But um Yeah, like you mean you- you mean you didn't have S-Smart? There's, no, we didn't no have S-Smart. an S-Smart. No? Oh, okay. That was pretty good, though. Smart. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, no, we were in the uh, sticks. We weren't S-Smart at all. <laughs> we're a bunch yeah. of hillbillies. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned crossover. Because this is that... I, I remember... The, the birth of that scene, obviously. And what a great um, marriage conglomerate, not conglomerate, but what a great merger of these two sounds of, of metal and hardcore. And just some of the artists that um, that kind of spearheaded that that whole scene. Because, you know, I, yeah, fans, fans of hardcore, because like, yeah, bands like Discharge and Motorhead had fans from both metal and punk. Okay, metal and hardcore. Yeah. And all that. But come the crossover scene, that's when the sound of metal and punk together kind of started to uh started to come together, shall we say. And I always think I always think ground zero for crossover, and you mentioned the crossover album from DRI. Okay, it's the dealing with it record. The 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 previous one before that. That's the record that put crossover on the map. Following them was the corrosion of conformity animosity. They had that nice melding of metal and hardcore. And a little bit later on after that, MOD method of SOD, I should say came out first and you're obviously well familiar with SOD you know and then from SOD became MOD methods of of destruction all that those were kind of like the the big four of the start of crossover so you know and now the the crossover album for me was the first DRI album that I really knew about right I I love that record but then Uh the record after Wait a second. When was Four of a Kind? That was record number. That was was record number three. After crossover. Yeah. Okay. Because, um, 
the album that I that I got because I borrowed Four of a Kind from somebody and I loved it, but then Thrash Zone was my favorite DRI record. Ah, yes. I just yeah, love yeah. that. Still to this day, I love that whole record. Yeah, yeah. Thrash Zone, though, started, yeah, like if people weren't familiar with their crossover roots or didn't know that where they came from, if that was a, a record that they first discovered them from and just didn't didn't say the word crossover and just called them a thrash band or whatever, it's like, well... It's DRI, their roots lie here, but I'm not going to argue it. Yeah. You know, because you're, you're getting into semantics. By then, DRI was full-blown within the metal scene. Yeah. Yeah, They did have their punk fans and all that. Like, that's, <clears throat> that, excuse me, as, as a fan, as a hard music fan, that, that band is so important to me like being fans of both metal and punk back then there wasn't you know there wasn't the camaraderie that metal that metalheads and punks have today oh yeah you know yeah we sometimes were afraid of going into a punk show with our venom and metallica back patches on because it's like are we going to get any any slack from some of these died in the wool punk fans and all that, even though I'm here supporting the scene because I love punk myself, you know, that's just kind of the way it was. And it's like, I really don't want to be fighting off a bunch of these guys because my friends at the time, they wouldn't be able to help me. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just, they were. So yeah, DRI, one of the, definitely one of the most important bands in the underground, just for the impact and everything that they kind of created. What was your introduction to hair metal? Because we were there right from the start with that. Well, it, it wasn't called hair metal really until towards the end of the decade, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were calling it glam. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we started calling it glam. And then there's times where I wonder, like it could it be kiss because I mean, Kiss wasn't as much of a '70s rock band by then. They really felt more like a glamour ha- hair metal band. Yeah, you know? see, yeah, you're right. That's where it kind of gets tricky because in the <clears throat> '70s, before the Poisons, the Motley Crues, the the Rats, okay, you had the expression glam. Yeah, Kiss, Kiss, Aerosmith, Slade, like those. T T Rex, even David Bowie was called glam and all that. Um it's just so once this once the eighties rolled along, it was kind of like the new glam. And some of those bands like Aerosmith, like Kiss, they they fit into this new version of glam, which would eventually, yes, become become hair. Well, and the the funny part is you mentioned like Bowie and some of those other like 70s glam rock bands. That's what influenced Motley Crue. And and I feel like Motley Crue is definitely in in the hair metal genre by the middle. Oh, they were definitely, yeah. But I mean, they're absolutely glam metal. 
Uh-huh. You know, the, like they're the, they're the blueprint for. Oh hell, Pretty Boy Floyd is that who I'm thinking? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I just uh, I, you just just mentioning Pretty Boy Floyd gives me a chuckle because they took okay glam and just times twenty time times a hundred like when we like we make fun of the look what the cat dragged in the first time you saw poison yeah you know you're like what the fuck is this well the first time i saw pretty boy floyd i'm like you got to be kidding me this this isn't even a real band like yeah. this is this is this is a parody of poison this 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 can't be real yeah amen. well yeah, yeah it turns out it was well and what's really crazy is like Pretty Boy Floyd, I had a buddy in school um, who was so, so into Pretty Boy Floyd and like that new, we'll call it extreme glam, right? Because, you know, why not? Um, (laughs) But he was so into it, he he insisted people call him Joey Lynn Heatherton. You know, right. and that was literally below his yearbook picture. His when he had his senior picture, he was a couple years behind behind me. But um, man, you know, like, like just interesting, interesting stuff like that. You know. Wow. Yeah. Now, with for me, okay, with glam, eighties glam for the you know just to avoid semantics here and all that. I actually discovered motley crew first really even before going metal full-time i was just i was the year the year before you know i think shout at the devil 83 you know before as the 80s as 83 was kind of winding down just reading about this band you know in cream magazine and hit express hit express magazine up up here in Canada and it's like okay I did end up hearing a song on the radio and it's like okay it's it's that metal stuff that I'm not really into but this actually sounds pretty good and I went out because I also Def Leppard, Van Halen, The Runaways bands bands like that so I bought the Shout at the Devil record and was kind of enjoying that a year later you know I go metal full time and then shortly after that, a couple of years after that, boom, you know, hair metal blows up. Yeah. So for In a me, big way. Per- yeah, yeah. So for me, gr- personally, Ground Zero is definitely Motley Crue. A case could definitely be made for, once again, Poison. Because with that record... Because you already had Shout at the Devil, and then shortly after that as well, Out of the Cellar from Rat was making waves, waves not only in metal, but in the mainstream as well. But these were two bands that were just a hard rock band, were a metal band that was getting mainstream fans and attention. Yeah. Come Poison, though, it's like, okay, now... A subgenre has been created. <clears throat> so you're, you're considering poison hair metal? Yeah. Because oh, to me, sure. poison's just rock and roll. Yeah. Like, like Molly Crew feels like glam because of what they did. And, and they were kind of punky, especially in the early stuff. Um, but 
Poison to me is just a rock and roll band. And a lot of bands have said that. Oh no, we're not a glam band and all that. We're 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 just a rock and roll band and all that. And it's like, yeah, okay, no, I get that. But... I was so confused by that cover. I'll never I'll never <laughs> yeah. forget the first time I looked at it, I'm like, I thought they were guys. Huh? They had the look. They had the glam look. Or the hair the the, the hair metal look and they had the lyrics and they were they ugly had women. The, the showmanship and all that. It's like, yeah, these bands just don't like to admit that they kind of fell into that category. They kind of pushed themselves into that category. Well, I think Motley Crue would tell you that's what they're going for. Like, like with Nikki with Nikki Six is yeah. never going to deny that he he was trying to be glam. Mm-hmm. With with theater of pain, like there's. There's there's Motley Crue shout at the devil and then there's there's theater of pain and wow it's I like the first time like, the first promo pictures I saw of Motley Crue yeah it, with the theater of pain it's like what the hell happened here <laughs> you know where's where's my metal band because by then I'm already off and running as a died in the wool metal fan a died in the wool punk fan but I. This whole hair metal thing, I'm just this is definitely not my thing. Well and all that. So I felt betrayed. The fun thing about Motley Crue is every record they had a different theme, we'll say. You know, and, and even a little bit musically, if you think about it. Like I I don't know, I, I appreciated that approach to it. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. I've I've over over the years, like like I've said on the show before, I've taken that 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 hair metal stick out of my ass, <laughs> okay, and I I can appreciate it now, and it's especially like when I'm ready to go out for the evening, and I, but I want to kind of wet my whistle at home, have a couple belts while I'm getting ready and all that. No, I'm not listening to some underground psychedelic doom. Or something. No, fuck no. I got Warren cranking, you know. <laughs> uh, 32 pennies that. in a row. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. One of the subgenres that we kind of discovered, like not right at the beginning because we hadn't really gone, or at least like you and I, we've traveled a lot of the same paths and all that. But the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. Okay. Like, I was into some of these bands, okay, before I really heard or understood that expression. Right? So I was already kind of off and running within that subgenre without even really knowing it. Like, I discovered Def Leppard with the Pyromania record and some new wave of British heavy metal, you know, connoisseurs are like, no, no, they... That's that's not new album or whatever. They yeah, call it's it. it's funny. Never... People will go back and forth. Is that new album or is that uh, hair metal? Right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There and you it, go. it really depends on what album you pick up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know. I I totally consider the first two Def Leppard albums new album or whatever it is. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. So that's kind of that was a good starting point for me with that. But um, uh, 
fully immersed, okay, Raven, the all for one record. Uh, that was 1984. I had gone, I had gone metal full time, and I was just they were a speed band. They were speed metal. They were a thrash metal metal band or whatever. It's just they were just a really cool metal band. Okay, and then as I'm kind of moving along, you start discovering other bands, reading in the magazines, and then you start seeing the expression N-W-O-B-H-M, the new wave of British heavy metal, and it's like, wow, okay, this is kind of its own thing yeah, as well. And then everything that that subgenre influenced over the years, it's like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, and once once again, as we mentioned a couple episodes ago, it's those innovators, okay, that don't get to see the spoils of war. It's those that come afterwards. Like, really, Diamond Head, Raven, Blitzkrieg, if there was any, you know, justice in the music world, those names would be right up there with Iron Maiden, Who's that? Those first three albums, or those first two for sure. Number of the Beast might be debatable, depending, you know, on who, where you were, and who, and who you talked to. But, but yeah, those were the innovators. Well, what do we yeah. consider Maiden? Because they were clearly like Maiden and Priest, which are two totally different bands to me, mm-hmm. were both lumped into the new wave of British heavy metal. Uh not so because because okay by the magazines back. i was reading like circus and hit parader here in the states okay like that that's where i would hear it called new air british heavy metal and, and that's my only connection to this because nobody nobody knew anything else you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i never really got that from priest and i never really saw in the press them being called that because priest predates you know the new wave thing which started 79 and then kind of started dying off as a huge thing in 85 i guess and priest priest predates all that well and that's like early priest is more rock and roll than anything else oh for sure you know and and then like they kind of get their metal edge later Mm -hmm. but like do you do you remember in, in like the press that you were reading, or were they always trying to pit Maiden against Priest? Uh, just yeah, Hit Parade or stuff like that. They were always good for that. Yeah, and yeah, and just, it's like they're not even boxes. close sound wise. No. <laughs> like I I no, can't even just, put them as as like cousins or whatever. You know, they're just yeah, they were just two of the biggest bands of the metal genre. And here, let's get a little sensationalism going to sell some records. You know, so, yeah, that's kind of where we were. I'm glad you mentioned death metal earlier as well. And I I remember, yeah, the early 90s, maybe 1990 and all that, like Century Media was... uh, Signing up a lot of and no, not Century Media. Although they were doing their part as well, signing up the European bands. But Roadrunner, Road Racer, yeah, 
you know, they were they were signing the obituaries, the the deicides, the suffocations. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go back. Well, them and Caroline. Okay. Remember Caroline Records? Yeah. Yeah, they did a lot they, of hard things. I, I was aware of them because of Primus, but Primus was like an oddball signing for them. Right, which they have their, Primus have their roots in, uh, but what I would call black metal, I would call them a black metal band, but most people would have I'm sorry, you, you're calling Primus metal. a black metal band? No, 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 no. Their roots, though. <laughs> if you, if by roots you mean because gone. the guitar player played <laughs> for... Possessed. possessed. Yes, that's the only reason. That's why I said their roots lie in. Okay. Not, not music. Not musically. Yeah, because no, no. I'm like, I don't feel like we could get further away <laughs> if we tried. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, I remember too enjoying Primus. I discovered them with the first record and all that, and it's like, this is Larry Lalonde. Yeah. Okay, this is good, but like, what the fuck? You know, it's good stuff. I have it. I bought the record, obviously, but what the hell? You know? So, yeah, a lot of people would argue that um, Possessed Seven Churches is ground zero for death metal. They even had a song on that record called Death Metal when that wasn't even a subgenre. At the time, though, Possessed, though, they, since black metal never had that one distinct sound they had the satanic lyrics they had the imagery they had the upside down crosses and all that so they were black metal at the time from so for me personally predating all those bands that roadrunner were signing that century media were signing death chuck schillander's death the scream bloody gore record in 1987 Okay, that 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 debut record that was the first true death metal band yeah. and album, you know. And at the same time, Necrophagia, which didn't get the same um, attention that Death was getting. Okay, but this that Seasons of the Dead record, okay was making waves and defining this death metal genre as well. And now, you know, we lost Chuck Schillander years ago, and now, just a couple of years ago, we lost Killjoy from Necrophagia. Dude, our childhood, our teens, literally dying off. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Oh, it's, it's too bad. But yeah, the, the whole death metal scene, yeah, those... 1990, 91, Deicide, Obituary, Suffocation. Yeah, those were the bands that really put death metal on the map, and we were there. And Deicide just took it to a whole nother level, man. I, I just remember <laughs> not hearing anything like that ever before. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. of course, they had the they have the satanic lyrics and imagery as well. So if Deicide yeah. had started. In 1985. Black metal. Yeah, I see where you're yeah, going. Regardless of what they sounded like. Merciful Fate. Okay. They just sound like a traditional metal band. A speed metal band or whatever. But they were considered black metal those first two records. Merciful Fate's just, just a kiss cover band. Changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. What else? What else you got here? Uh, really, I feel like we, we've we've run the run the gamut, you know. Oh, there's a whole lot of other. Well, uh, for for, for stuff that I care about, let's put that. Oh, okay, okay. Well, at some point, we're definitely going to revisit this because there are a lot of other subgenres that, quite frankly, we were there for. We're old. No, we're experienced. Okay, sometimes I, you know, been there, been there, done that. Let's get into some of these genre-defining tunes. Let's, um, Avenger. Okay, I first discovered them with the uh, Blood Sports record. Bands, uh, Banzai Records had put, uh, put them out, and they were fully immersed, um... In the new wave of British heavy metals, some of their original lineup as well had some some uh, members of Blitzkrieg. Brian Ross, I believe, was one of the original uh, members of Avenger. But instead of going back in time, what a pleasant surprise to find out. And once again, you kind of feel like a knob. It's like, oh, how did I not know Avenger had a record in 2000? 14 i did not know that so i gave that a spin it's like okay we definitely got to go with this from well not their new record okay because <laughs> it's been out for quite a while but still their new ish the stuff shall we say because dude we've been talking stuff goes back 40 years now, so their newish stuff from the Slaughter Never Stops record. This is the Mighty Avengers with Fields of the Burnt. Tie the stand, the kingdom never to 
one of the bands that certainly was right there, knee deep in the whole crossover sound and scene, was The Accused. That was the title track from their 1990 record, Grinning Like an Undertaker. And okay, The Accused, yes. Like like I said, one of those one of those um, groundbreaking bands in the crossover scene. I will I will throw them out, and I'll make a rather bold statement here, and saying they're one of Seattle's forefathers in terms of metal. Because while everyone was oh L.A., New York, London, even Japan, and all that as all these hotbeds of metal and hardcore and all that. Seattle was over here pre-grunge, just kicking ass and taking names without anyone really paying that much attention to it, like Queensryche. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Metal I just forget about Queensryche. I yeah, said that. Yeah. And then, like, when I, when I first discovered The Accused back in the crossover days, and, oh, this band from Seattle, it's like, really... Not New York, not L.A. That's definitely different. And they they kind of stood out. Yeah. Just just from that. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That is the mighty accused. And hopefully one day we're going to be talking about tonight's indie spotlight band in the same breath as a lot of these cool bands today. We're always on the lookout for fresh new talent. Check out this Indie Spotlight. I might be, oh, here's going to be a bad pun here, but I might sound like a bit of a broken record with for today's show at least, because once again, going through Bandcamp, and I discovered a Philadelphia's Morgul Blade. Oh, okay, this is really cool. Going to check this out. Really cool traditional metal sound. Oh, I can definitely get behind this so much in fact this is the band that we tapped for tonight's indie spotlight and once again okay just like the accused hailing from seattle philadelphia okay not a huge or at least yeah i'm sure a lot of great bands have come out of there but it just doesn't like who's come out of philly in the metal scene, Cinderella, like, like what else, you know, and I'm sure if I give it some time and think about it, there's not a lot of bands that kind of pop out. Hopefully five years from now, if Morgul Blade keeps making awesome records like Fell Sorcery Abounds, definitely definitely going to be talking about them so let's back it up this is in tonight's indie spotlight philadelphia's amorgal blade with the five will ride at dawn 
www.morgulblade, M-O-R-G-U-L, blade.bandcamp.com. Go there and grab a digital copy, or better yet, place an order to get the real thing. Their new record, Fell Sorcery Abounds, is available, and as you heard, it is great stuff. Well, my friend, once again, thank you uh, so much for starting the weekend off right. Not only for me right now, but, you know, Friday morning, the new episode is out wherever you find your podcasts and all that. So you start everyone's weekend off by uh, participating with these awesome conversations. I'm kind of getting excited to uh, find out what we are going to to discuss next but before then my friend how can uh, people get a hold of us well radioactivemetal.org has all the stuff that's all the episodes up to a certain point i can't remember which ones are missing some were missing just because you know stuff goes missing it's been a long long time we've been doing this um i think rock would tell you to start anything after 100 anyway <laughs> but, you know, um, if you want to go back and listen to the, the episode that Snowy was talking about with the comic book artist um, for the Archie Meets Kiss, it's there. There's so many things there. Go enjoy. And then, of course, you can find us pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, right? iTunes, mm-hmm. um, Spotify, thanks to the fine folks at Shining Wiz- Wizards Network. And wherever else, I challenge you to not find us on a podcast aggregator because it's pretty much impossible. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to see pictures of the things we talk about, at RadMetal666 on Instagram. And drop us a line, RadMetal666 at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash RadMetal. And, of course, we are a part of the Shining Wizards Network. ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. Great host of all sorts of podcasts, wrestling, music, lifestyle podcasts. It's a great time. Come check stuff out. There's even this podcast for people who like to wrestle in Canada with Mm -hmm. geese and uh, maple syrup, (laughs) I believe. And the host, one of them sounds just like Snowy. It's weird. Yeah, he sounds like a good-looking guy, yeah. Oh yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing more that 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 Canadian wrestling fans love more than a good maple syrup match. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, was that a thing in Canada? Like down here, we had mud wrestling. Did they have maple syrup wrestling <laughs> up up in Canada? No, no. But I'm going to be talking now that I I just thought of that on the fly right now. Uh, I'm going to be talking to my local wrestling promoters about that. I think we need that. And not two beautiful women. No, no. What we need are these big, burly, ugly men. Greased up and sticky. Yeah. Greased, greased up with maple syrup. I, and oh you know what? God. So let, let's take it a step further and make it like your own a Canadian Mucha Libre. Right? <laughs> and go. you, you got to put them in different masks. So one there of them should are. at least be in a maple leaf mask. Uh-huh. You know, I feel like a maple leaf mask, a goose mask, a moose mask... Uh, probably a wolf. I feel like a wolf's appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. What what else screams Canada? 
Other Ugh. than red, red and black plaid. Jeez. Um, the Montreal Canadiens hockey logo. Isn't that a maple it, leaf? No, no, that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh logo. shit! Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, just stuff like that. That's, yeah. But the the goose, the moose. Oh, and a frog for French Canada. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, he's gonna have to be the heel. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> that's it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the meantime and in between oh no you know what let's who are we gonna go out on um available now from redefining darkness i discovered this really wicked band mortal vision their new record condemned to death available now And, and if you like really cool um Old school schizophrenia era sepultura mixed in with a little bit of uh, persecution mania era um, Sodom. This is the band you're going to want to get behind. So give that a listen on our way out. In the meantime and in between time, that's it. This has been a beginning episode of Radioactive Metal. I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. Signing off.